Hello, everybody. Uh, man, it's good to see you. You all look fantastic. It's really, uh, man, good to be me tonight. It's really, you look great. Did you like do something with your hair or like, uh, that's really good. Anyway, uh, my name is Joe and I'm not that funny, but I am one of the pastors here at Grace Church and I am glad to be sharing with you uh, this weekend as we continue to get into this whole idea of what does it mean to be those guys? What does it mean to be the church? What does it mean to be connected to the people uh, that Jesus is calling to be with him? And so thank you for joining us. Thanks for joining us online and hello to my Montrose family. It's good to see you guys as well. Uh, but yeah, last week we kind of kicked this off and started to dive into what does Jesus want the church to look like? And we bring a lot of baggage to that conversation. I mean, like, there's a, our culture, when we hear the word church, I mean, there's a lot of, like, negative thoughts. There's a lot of stuff that gets kicked around. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. Some of it's totally legit. I'm not even saying it's a bad uh, representation of some people's experiences, but boy, do we bring a framework to that conversation. And some of us, we've had fantastic experiences with the church. And so we almost don't even see how it's possible that others have had a negative experience or how all of that goes around. Some of us were here, but we don't even for sure know why. Like, we're like, someone drug me here. Someone's got me. I, I just know that I probably should be semi-connected. I'm pretty sure church is how you get connected to God, but I have no idea really what it means to be a part of all of this. Like, we're all coming from all these different places, and, and, and that's okay, right? It's really okay because Jesus is calling us to something unique. And I'm wondering if we can't continue to just kind of put some of our assumptions, some of our experiences, some of our framework aside, and instead just look at what does Jesus want what is Jesus putting together when it comes to his people or the church? And so last week we kind of said a church is the people who have decided to be defined and directed by Christ. It's those that have said, okay, Jesus, you came. Jesus, you showed you are the son of God. I truly believe that's who you are. I want to follow you. Anyone that has decided to say that I want to follow Jesus, you are a part of the church. You're a part of what Jesus is building. And as a matter of fact, that's one of the clearest things that he said about it is he said, I will build my church, right? In Matthew 16, he shares with his disciples that I am initiating this. I am putting this together. I am building my church, right? I'm putting my initiatives together. I'm the one that's leading this charge. And so, yes, there will be people that will be, the scriptures call false teachers. Yes, there will be people that are wolves in sheep's clothing, so to speak. And they will say, I did this in your name. They will say that I'm a part of the church. But if it's not attached to my initiatives and to my mission, then it's not the church that I, as the savior of the world and building. And then we took even a quick look at what are some of those things that Jesus is doing? What are some of those things that Jesus is building into his church? And so he's showing us that to be on mission with him, to be in step with him in the church, we're going to be loving God and loving other people, running after him with everything that we've got, and then letting that love completely flow out of us into our relationships and serving them, helping them, loving them with everything we've got, helping establishing the kingdom of God the things that God is bringing forth to bear to help in our relationships, to help in our lives. He is actually initiating a different way of living. And if we're gonna be in step with him, we'd be a part of that too. And then we're gonna make disciples. We wanna help people understand the wonder and the amazing power of what it means to have your life attached to Jesus and follow with him. If we're gonna be a part of his people, if we're gonna be his church, then this is at least the beginning of what that's going to look like. 
And so I'll say this kind of again, anything that Jesus isn't initiating, anything that wasn't something he said, let's do this together, then that would be a false representation of the church. And so if you kind of missed that conversation, that's where we started at last weekend. So check that out online. Go to our YouTube page, our app, our podcast. Like, check that out. And let's dial into what is the church? What is it that God's asking us to be a part of? Now this weekend, what I kind of want to take a part two of this conversation and just simply ask the question, how does Jesus want to work with me? <laughs> how does Jesus want to work with you? How are you a part of the whole puzzle? Right? How are you a part of the whole thing? And as a matter of fact, I actually think a puzzle is a great way to think through it. So um, I, we learned, my wife and I and my, my, my daughter, we learned that we actually like puzzles. And I'm not sure we knew that until like that dreaded season of all of our lives, quarantine of 2020. And when you couldn't do anything and you're, you're like starting to like look through every box in the basement, like what could we possibly do to pass the time? We found some puzzles and we started putting some puzzles together. And so we're also Disney fans, so we're kind of nerdy that way. And uh, we had a puzzle that kind of represented all the Disney World parks. And so this was really fun. And of course it wasn't a rectangle, so it was cool, but you know, it had the Epcot and the Magic Kingdom and the Hollywood Studios and Animal Kingdom and putting all that together and working on a thousand pieces. It took us a couple days, it was a lot of fun. Well, we got to like piece 995 and suddenly we realize something, like where is the peace, right? Like where, why is something so simple, so maddening? Like this is not a big deal. This is a small piece of cardboard and I was like losing my mind. I'm like, no, we must find it, right? And I mean, you're like turning everything over and upside down and I'm like, I can't find, we couldn't find it. We, searched, we kept this on the table for days because we're like, we'll find it, we'll find it, we'll keep it. And we like, we're Disney nerds and we like it. We're gonna, we're gonna shellac this one. We're gonna frame it. We're gonna hang it up, right? Like, this is gonna be the one. Can't find the piece. Can't find the piece. So you know where this puzzle's at now? It's torn back up. It's in the box. It's not worth it. Like, if you can't find the one piece, and of course, at the beginning, even if we ever saw it, and I'm convinced we got 999 pieces. pieces. There's no way this was our fault. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you don't believe me either, but... When you're, when you're looking at just a blue piece, you know, at the beginning, you're like, well, this isn't even important. We'll get to that later, right? We'll get to it later. It, it might be an edge. We'll, we'll get to it later. And that poor puzzle, now it's back in the box, in the closet, probably never to be assembled again, all because it's missing one piece. What's the most important piece of a puzzle? It's the missing one. It's the missing one. You would have thought early on when they're all spread out, what are we going to do with this? You know, it's probably the one that's right in the middle of the castle. It's probably the one right in the middle of the Epcot ball. It's the one that has Mickey on it, obviously. Like, what's the most important? No, it's the one you're missing. And this poor puzzle may never be assembled again, all because it's missing a piece. And that poor piece, I don't know where it's at. I don't know if it's like in the vent. I don't know if it's like if it went down the vent and it's now engulfed in the flames of our furnace. I don't know if it's in the stomach of our dog. Everything else is in the stomach of our dog. I don't know. That dog will eat anything. Our rabbit might have even eaten it. I don't know. But like that, that, that puzzle piece is gone. And now it's missing, right? And that puzzle piece, I can only imagine what it's thinking. As it's in the recesses of our 90-year-old home thinking to itself, where am I? I don't seem to belong Anywhere I look, where's the rest of my family? Where's the rest of what I'm supposed to be connected to? It's completely disconnected from anything that shows where it fits, what its purpose is, or why it was created. 
As we think about our own lives, there's, there's a connection to this puzzle. As we think about when Jesus is calling us to be a part of his people, when we've decided to follow after Jesus, if we choose to step aside and to be the puzzle that's missing, the rest of the picture is lacking because you were designed to be connected with the rest of the pieces. So the puzzle, and that's everything from your church, your local representation of what Jesus is doing, all the way down to your community, your family, even the world is missing out. If you have decided, I want to follow Jesus, but we've decided not to be connected with him or his mission, and we've chosen not to be connected with him and his people, then your family is missing out because you're not a part where you're supposed to be. Your church is missing out because the picture is not complete. And you are probably wondering, why do I feel so disconnected from what it seems like Jesus is doing? When I watch other people get excited, when I watch other people share about how they did this or they do this or they somehow love volunteering for that thing. I don't get that. Like when you're, you're looking at all this happening, you're like, why is all this this way? Well, it's because we're, we're stuck in life's furnace vent. We're stuck in life's dog stomach. We're not connected to the rest of the puzzle. We're not connected to the rest of it. And so we feel that distance. We feel like we're on the fringe. We feel like if I walked away, no one would even notice. Just like that piece walked away and no one noticed at the time until all of a sudden you're trying to see the whole thing together and you're like, wait a minute, where, where'd that go? But by that point, it's, it's gone. If we don't allow ourselves to be connected with Jesus, his mission, and his people, then we're a lot like this missing piece. And both of us are missing an element of what we're supposed to be connected to. Now, what's crazy about this for me, not only are we missing out, not only are you missing out, but there's a place for us. There's a home for that. If we suddenly found that piece, I would go snap those 999 pieces back together as fast as I could because, yes, we have found the one. Jesus designed you to be a part of his puzzle. He designed you to be a part of it. He wants you to be connected to his mission. I could wrap things up here in 30 seconds if we could just latch on to this verse that I'm about to show you. In John chapter 15, Jesus says this, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I chose you. If you're in earshot of those words, maybe you're sprinting down the pathway after Jesus, maybe you're crawling after Jesus, maybe you're still at the starting line and you're feeling that nudge to get rolling. But all of that reality is because Jesus chose you. He wants you. He wants you to be connected to what he's doing. He wants you to be a part of the puzzle. When Jesus is laying out, when he looks at the world and sees all of the brokenness, when he looks at the things that are happening in your community, when he looks at the things that are happening as a part of your church, when he looks at the things that are happening with those that you love the most in your neighborhood, with the people that you work with, the people that you study with, the people that you're somehow, when he looks at the world and he 
says, what do we need to do? The we includes you because he chose you. He wants you to be a part of this. And if I could very awkwardly have the time to look each and every one of you in the eye and say, Jesus, the savior of the world, God, the creator of the universe and all of its magnitude, all of its splendor, all of its wonder, all of its incredible nature, all of the the things that are happening, looking at exactly all of the stuff that you've done, he chose you. He chose you. I want you to latch onto this so strongly that I made an absurd next slide. Jesus says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I wrote this in my notes. He chose you. I, this is not based on how good we are, how smart we are. This isn't based on the fact that you're really, really good at figuring life out and you, you figured it out. This isn't based on the fact that, you know, you're way better than most of the rest of humanity and therefore you're allowed to be a part of God's team. This is straight up Jesus chose you. And when we're finding those nudges in our life to show up at a weekend service in a church building, when we find that nudge to log on and maybe check out what this church is all about, when we find that nudge that maybe we should be a little bit closer to God, maybe I should respond to him, he's choosing you. That's not arbitrary, it's not your funky lunch, it's, it's the God of the universe trying to get a hold of your heart. He chose you. And it's crazy, because it doesn't matter if you feel like your past is just an absolute wreck, it doesn't matter if you were cussing someone out in the van right on the way here. <laughs> God meets us in our imperfections and he says, I will help take you where you need to go, but I'm choosing you to belong as a part of my family. I have such a deep conviction that if you're a believer, if you follow Jesus and you feel drawn to this local expression of Jesus's worldwide church, then you are a gift to those around you. You are a gift to the people that you're sitting next to. You're a gift to the rest of the church. And you're like, Joe, I'm pretty sure I'm just a plain, normal, blue piece. You are very important <laughs> to that puzzle. Jesus has worked that out. And you can imagine putting a putting the pressure on ourselves to try to fit in, it, 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 it's not up to you. Jesus is the one that designed the puzzle. Have you ever tried to put a puzzle together without looking at the picture? Or put a puzzle together with the picture facing down? I know some of you all are like total geniuses and absolutely brilliant beyond like 99.9% .9 of the rest of the population, but the rest of us are like, that's nuts. You need the picture, you need to look at the colors, you need to see what fits together. 
You ever, you ever, you ever been a Lego anywhere? <laughs> maybe from your childhood or maybe your kids have one. You got all these Legos. You lost all the instructions. You don't remember all the pieces. You're looking at that giant bin of Lego and you're like, what do I even do now? And you're like, I'll be creative. And so you get in there and you start building things and you're like, look, a swan. You know, and it's just like, that's not nice. <laughs> like, you don't even show anybody. You don't even put it on Instagram. It's like that good, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, well, and you really wish you had the instruction book, and you really wish you could see what were those pieces designed to create. You ever go to a junkyard and see all these car parts laying everywhere, and suddenly you just like see a muffler, and you're like, I have no idea what kind of car that's supposed to go on. I don't know what this is supposed to attach to. I don't understand. I know it's a car part. I know it goes. How does this work? Some of you car guys are like, it's a muffler, man. It can go on lots of different cars. Like, I know, okay? But it's like, follow the metaphor, okay? But it's just like, when we see all of these car parts strewn around, we're like, I don't even know how this works. But the person who engineered that car knows exactly where all the pieces go together. The person that engineered bringing your movie fantasy to life through a Lego set knew exactly how those pieced together. That, that artist that drew that picture and put it superimposed it on a piece of cardboard and cut it into a bunch of pieces, knew exactly how those fit together. God, when he looks at the landscape of the people that he has chosen, not only did he choose the pieces, but he knows exactly how they're supposed to work together. So the pressure's off. You don't have to look at the pile and go, where do I fit? You just get to go to the designer and say, where do I go? Where do you want me to snap in? Where do you want me to be connected with these other people that you've chosen to be a part of your mission to make the picture of Jesus more and more clear to the rest of us? The fun thing is, is that has been a question and a reality for people that have decided to be followers of Jesus ever since the very first people that have made that decision. Even the very early church would have asked the same questions and they would have had the same reality that Jesus has chosen where they go. We're going to look at a few passages this weekend that kind of illustrate what the early church was discovering about this truth that Jesus has chosen us and puts us together. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. You're gifted with something as a follower of Jesus and there's different kinds but the same Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, the same God is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. You don't have to figure out what type of peace you are. There's the one God who puts it all together. He knows exactly where all of the gifts connect. He knows the best part about that for us is what we're learning is, is not only has he chosen you, but he also will show you. So the pressure's off. He has chosen you. Yes, you're supposed to be a part of this, but where, good news, he shows you. It's literally him leading us through this. And it's a gift so that none of us can be like, well, check me out. I have figured out how all of this works. God's like, no, you didn't. You just followed my instruction book. Jesus is the one doing that. He is the one that understands how this whole game comes together. Now, this idea continues 
And Paul continues this. He says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, well, wouldn't that, would it make it any less part of the body? Even if the ear thought it wasn't a part? Or if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. Isn't it funny how like when you put a puzzle together, have, some of you have done a lot of puzzles and have, have you ever like looked at a piece and you're like, I'm looking at the picture and I'm looking at, and I'm pretty sure there's an extra piece in this puzzle because there's no way this piece fits in that puzzle. And then you get to like to the final 10 pieces and you're like, well, doggone it. <laughs> and it just sticks right in. You never saw it coming. But Jesus is like, trust me, you fit. You're a part of the body. Even if you just think, well, I'm not really sure because I'm not like the rest of them, it's okay. Some of you look like the Epcot ball. Some of you look like a blue piece. Some of you look like Mickey Mouse. Some of you look like a princess. You know who you are. Uh, some, but we all look different, and God's like, right. I need that diversity in my body. I need that diversity in my people. I need that diversity in my church. I want you to look and operate and be gifted differently. That's my design. And just because you don't think you're like someone else or just because you don't think you're gifted like someone else, he says, that's okay. I'm piecing all of this together. Just because you're an ear doesn't mean you should be an eye. You should be the ear. I've told you that's where I want you to be. He continues, how strange a body would it be if it only had one part? Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Then we have this weird temptation where, okay, maybe I'm supposed to be a part of this, but then we look at someone else, we're like, you're different than me. I'm not sure you should be a part of this. And Jesus cut that out. <laughs> I'm the designer. You throw that piece away, you're going to be very, very upset when you're suddenly missing the one blue piece. When suddenly you realize exactly why that person is supposed to be a part of this whole family, is supposed to be a part of this whole puzzle, you're going to wish you needed and you wish that you had them. God chose us to be a part of his body and he shows you where you fit into his plan. We need each other. Our body needs the other pieces. And that means the pressure is off. You did not have to train your ear to transform from being a foot so that it could be an ear. Your ear was like, oh, I hear things, I do things. My foot was like, I hold this large man upright. Like, this is so strange. Like, the body parts knew their function. And yes, when we were an infant, they might not have all worked totally well and you just kind of flopped the wrong... But they figured it out. The more and more they developed, the more and more they grew, they became ridiculously useful. The pressure is off. Jesus knows what he's doing in you. Now, maybe you're thinking to yourself, and maybe you wish you could just blurt out to me right now, Joe, I have no idea what I'm good at. I have no idea where I would fit in the puzzle of a church. I have no idea where, how and where and why Jesus would want to use me. I have no idea what I bring to the table. That's okay. That is super okay. Let me, let me share with you a little bit of, of my, my journey. Um, so I, I grew up in a church. My grandfather was a pastor of a, um, 
Like a, we, we had about 50 or 60 people on any given weekend, tiny little church, and um, we, we would rent out a small community hall to meet in. And so every weekend, um, because we were related, uh, we got to show up and be the chair setup team. And we had these nice metal folding chairs. <laughs> uh, and, and every week we would grab the chairs and we'd put them out and then we would stack them back up and go put them away every weekend, every weekend. Well, as a 10 and 13 year old kid, like that's totally my gig, right? Like I, I want to help. I want to pick up the chairs and you know, like they're bigger than you. And so you're doing this. And then as you get a little bit older, you're like, I can totally grab four at once, you know, you know, and then you're like, I can grab six at once. Check me out, you know? And eventually maybe some of y'all did something like this because there's something about in particular, I feel like a 17 to 22 year old boy or like I can get eight. And you can barely move, but you're like, I got this, you know? And it's like, you just kind of like, I can get all these chairs. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I have issues. But like, that's kind of how I can do chairs. No problem, right? I did that for years and years and years. And then a church I got involved in in college, after I had actually given my life to Christ, um, they had padded folding chairs, fancy, right? I mean, it was like the high, but they still had to be set up and torn down every weekend. And so I would do that. I had no, I'm like, I have stacked chairs for years. I'm totally your guy. And so like, I, I, I helped do that. Well, then all of a sudden, one weekend, one of the college leaders that I was a part of in that class, he asked, hey, would you, would you lead the next couple of weeks of this college class? And I'm like, como say what? <laughs> like, I don't, I, I'm the chair guy. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not that guy. Like, I don't, I don't teach classes. Like, there's no way, I have no idea what I'm doing. But he's like, dude, I got no one else to ask. Would you mind, just a couple weeks. I'm like, okay. Like, I, I guess I like to help, so that's fine. Well, I learned through that process that I actually kind of like digging into God's word and like helping people see something new. Like, I'm like, this is kind of neat, right? I kind of learned that. Like, that was fun. And then uh, a couple months later that summer, I remember I got asked to get, be one of the people on stage for their Bible camp, for their kids' camp. And I got asked a couple of different things. First of all, I remember, I remember the children's leader being not huge, and uh, he was teaching on David and Goliath. <laughs> Can you just stand on stage kind of like this while I talk about how David's the hero and Goliath's the... Sure, buddy. You know, and I just stood there. But I'm like, you know what? I don't care. That's fine. And then a couple days later, he was like, would you help the uh, low on volunteers for the kids' music part? Would you kind of just jump around and do the mo-? I'm like, I guess, you know. So I'm just up on stage, like, you know, doing the things. I got no idea what I'm doing. But you know what I, I discovered there is I actually didn't mind being up front. I didn't mind being vulnerable. I didn't mind kind of making a fool of myself. Like, I didn't mind as much of that. I liked connecting with people. I also learned that I'm probably not the guy that should work with kids all the time. Like that, I had a limit. Um, But I also learned that, you know what? But if you're in a pinch, I can help with the kids. That's fine. I remember uh, that, gosh, this was like all in a row for me. But um, it was about six months later, um, the, the guy that played guitar and led worship for our little like college group on campus, uh, he said, hey, I heard you have a guitar. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, do you play? I'm like, let's emphasize the fact that I have a guitar. <laughs> uh, and so, no. And he was like, uh, well, do you know any chords? And I'm like, well, I know like three chords. It just takes me like 10 seconds to switch between them. He's like, why don't you bring your guitar out one night? You can kind of just sit there and strum alongside me a little bit. And I'm like, you know what? That kind of sounds fun. I've been meaning to learn this anyway. So I show up and I'm like, he's on like the third song. I'm on like the third chord, you know? And it's just like, but, but well, two weeks after that, he ghosts me. He's gone. And I'm like, 
was that your leadership development plan? Like that was it? Like I'm sitting here, I have no idea what I'm doing. I can barely play two or three chords in a row, but I'm the new worship leader, you know? So like that's fun. So that summer, I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna go for it. And so I like learned how to play rhythm guitar and like I picked up some songs that that group liked to sing and I became the worship leader for that small group for about the next two years, right? And what I learned was like, you know what, God, it's, 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 use, it's worth it, I should say, to learn a new skill if you feel like God is asking you to do it. Because I never would have thought I should be the guy leading any group of people in worship. I really enjoyed doing it for those two years. I don't know I had any business doing it, except for apparently God, well, chose me and was showing me something. I was asked to uh, visit someone in a hospital like a year after I became a youth pastor. And this woman was in her like last months. And they were like, Joe, go visit. I'm like, I am 23 years old. I have no idea what to say, do to encourage a a 92-year-old woman who's literally on her deathbed. What am I supposed to do? And the answer was, well, you go. I'm like, okay. And I walked through this super uncomfortable hospital visit, and, and, and it was not pretty, but you know what? We had a fine time And her family was actually super grateful the next time they saw me that I went and did that. And what I learned through that is like, God can use me even when I feel super uncomfortable. God can use me even if I don't feel like this is the perfect fit at the moment. If God is asking me to do it, I'm learning that just being there is actually one of the biggest assets of all ministry. Huh. A couple of summers ago, I got asked to be a part of helping make sense of a bunch of, a bunch of cultural issues raising up in our community. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. I don't, I don't know how to like make racial reconciliation happen. What do you mean you want me to be a part of this? You want me to help navigate some of the tension between these couple of communities? You want, me to, you want me to what? And I learned through the last couple of years that I don't know everything. Maybe some of you are way ahead of the game on that, but I, I recently learned <laughs> I don't know everything. And I also learned that other people have vastly different experiences than I do. I learned that It's my job to point people to Jesus, not prove that I'm correct. I learned that relationships move at the speed of the trust that we're able to form together. I've been learning so much by stepping into something that I felt like God chose me to do, and along the way, he's showing me more and more how to be a part of those things. That's actually what this shirt is right here. I was just a part of something this weekend where we're trying to figure out what does it mean to be one city? What does it mean to actually work together? And Jesus continues to show things more and more and more. I've had, I've been at Grace now for 15 years and I've had seven different job descriptions. I can't tell if I'm just a junk drawer pastor or if they're just being gracious, like, oh, good try on that one. Let's see if he can do this one. Um, It's always changing. And that's okay. 
It's okay if stacking chairs is not your long-term gift. It's also okay if it is. Because Jesus is the one putting the puzzle together. I was sitting down with my dad this week, and this actually kind of blew my mind because my dad is not your typical mic drop kind of guy. Um, my dad was, was a mechanic for 42 years, uh, loved the guy, he loves Jesus, he's a wonderful man, but he's just not the guy that like says something that like you get a tattoo of, you know, like he's just not his gift, which is fine. But this week, <laughs> he was telling me, he was like, you know, it's, it's our, our track with Jesus, our pathway with Jesus is a lot like an assembly line that builds cars. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, so many times like we, we, we're trying to picture the car but all the way back here on the assembly line is a guy that's just screwing a bolt into a piece of steel. And you're like, what am I doing? What is this? Why do I just put bolts into steel? Like, why is this? And then you move down a little bit farther, and this person's like assembling the chassis. Some of you are like, what's a chassis? Some of you are like, he didn't know mufflers are different cars. What does he know a chassis is? Like, how do... And then these people down here are like upholstering seats. And these people down here are putting on the wheels and they're the ones inflating the tires. And these people down here are the ones that are actually painting that brand new 2023 car of your dreams, the color of your dreams, and they get to see the full picture. They're seeing exactly what it is that you wish you had. But this person, let me tell you, if they don't put the bolts in, it doesn't matter what that looks like. You haven't even done step one. We haven't even done the first step. How can we possibly dream about what's down here? And Jesus is saying that your life, your engagement with me, your ministry, your gift is a lot like this assembly line. We're always asking the question, well, what does the car look like? What color is it? Where am I supposed to land? What's the final vision of my life? Where am I supposed to be? And God's like, we're 85 steps away from that. How about we build the foundation that makes all that worth it? Because if you and I don't work together on these first few things, there's no way that this dream will ever look anything like either you or I are hoping it will. Let's start here. Some of us, we have to be willing to step into the assembly line. Some of us, we have to realize that the moment we're at, we're, we're the ones upholstering the seats and it's okay that we don't know what the car looks like yet. Some of us, we're the ones screwing in the rearview mirror. We're just on this assembly line, and Jesus is doing something in us and through us, but we have to have the mindset that we're willing to step into it. So the early church, Paul was helping them understand this. He says, so dear brothers and sisters, I'm pleading with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. He's chosen you, he's helped you, he's redeemed you, he's given you life, he's taking you down this path, he's unshackling you from your sin, he is showing you what life looks like. I plead with you because of how wonderful God is that you let your life be a living and holy sacrifice, that you give your bodies to him and he will find it acceptable. He knows where it fits he knows what your sacrifice is going to mean. He knows where that comes. This is truly the way to worship him. You're like, God, what do you want from me? Take a step. Well, God, I, just, I need to know what it means, though, to like worship you and connect with you. He's like, offer yourself to me. I know where you go. Yeah, 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 but what's that going to look like? Offer yourself to me. Let me show you. This whole thing started with, will you follow me? You said yes. Let's go. 
Let me take you where we're, where we're headed together. Yeah, but what's it all going to look like? Take a step. Trust me. Let me show you how this pathway works. Paul continues. He says, so don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So many of us wish that we could be at the end of the assembly line. Somewhere around here for me, I wrote a paper in college about how I would never be a pastor. If God would have said, Joe, you're going to be a pastor at this place in the assembly line, I might have bailed. I wasn't ready for it yet. I needed my mind renewed. I needed to know how to put the upholstery on. I needed to know how to kind of continue down this pathway to where all of a sudden it started to make sense. It started to look like God's good and pleasing and perfect will for me because I had gone down the pathway that he was calling me down to become the person that he was crafting me and gifting me to be. But it all started back here with stacking chairs. And we're gonna be on different pathways. So don't get scared. This isn't a pastoral call, right? Like you're not, but he is creating different automobiles in each and every one of us if we'll simply take the step. Every time I I showed up, every time I I stepped in, it showed me something about myself. It showed me something about what God was doing in my life and it showed me more and more about him. Every time I was willing to say yes to something that he put in front of me, he grew me. God chose you, God shows you, and God grows you. You're like, I'm not ready for that yet. He takes care of that. He takes care of that. Every time we serve, every time we step in to encourage, every time we say, I can give to that, lead that, step into that, every time that I'm like, you know what, I can show kindness to that person, I can work on forgiving that person, every time that we do that, God will continue to grow you and show you more and more how you are uniquely wired and gifted and fit into his mission and into his grand puzzle. We just have to be willing to take the step. I offer myself to you, God. You're the one that knows. Now, some of us were like, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what to look for. What do I step into? What do I say yes to? And so I put a couple of categories together to help us think through this. Because if we're trying to follow Jesus into that assembly line that makes us more and more the person that he is creating us to be. The first thing, we need to try to find a burden. Who are you trying to reach? Who are you trying to serve? Some of us, our heart breaks for something. Our heart breaks for something. It might be a person. It might be a ministry. It might be a certain age group. It might, I don't know. But your heart breaks for, I have to help somehow people that are stuck in human trafficking. I must help kids that don't have regular healthy adult influences in their life, whether it's because mom and dad have to work two jobs, whether it's because dad has, I was just talking with a leader in our community, this poor young man, his dad passed away about three weeks ago, and a week ago his mom passed away. 
Like, what is our burden? What breaks our heart? What gets us going? What, what do we have to be a part of? Maybe Jesus is saying, get on that assembly line and just help somehow. The second thing I wrote down is, where can we work together? How can we collaborate with other people? Puzzle pieces aren't very useful on their own. Puzzle pieces work best when they're connected with the pieces they need to be connected with. Partnership is huge. Cooperation is key. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. If you're trying to reach the homeless and the Akron community, let us introduce you to some wonderful people that are doing great things with the homeless that desperately need more people that care about the homeless. If you have a burden for people that, for, for teenagers that desperately need mentors, do you know what the number one ask in our schools, in our organizations, in our churches are? To, the number one ask is please Give me some version of a willing and healthy adult that's willing to be consistently engaged in these people's lives. Would you collaborate with someone and say, I, you know what, I can show up, I, I can be a part of that. Even people ratios is a big part of things. Anybody that's been attached to education knows that like, <laughs> help more adults is always a wonderful thing. Let's work together with somebody. The third thing is, where can I point people to Jesus? How can I somehow be a part of something that's making Jesus make sense? I don't mean you have to be the one that's always articulating the news of Jesus. But how can you be a part of it? Because if we're going to be a part of Jesus' mission, it's somehow going to be connected to that. If we're going to be a part of his church, it's going to somehow be reflected there. Now, all of this, these three things, this doesn't necessarily mean you have to volunteer at Grace Church. That's like not what I'm communicating right now. Now, it might mean that. It might mean that there certainly could be a place for you. There's all kinds of places to serve here that are doing all three of these things. But that's, this is not a volunteer recruitment Sunday. This is God chose you <laughs> He is showing you, he wants to grow you into the person you were created to be and how you fit into his people and mission. And he is the head. I didn't have any idea what I was doing with my life. I'm not sure I know what I'm doing with my life now. But Jesus continues to show up and Jesus continues to lead my measly offering. I learn things about myself. I learn a ton more about him and he continues to do what he does. This will never stop. This will never stop. We have to trust him. We have to trust that he is building this, that he is the head. If, if, if you're healthily engaged with him, you'll never suddenly feel like, finally, I'm in. I got it. I'm the one with all the confidence now. Because even this current part of the journey I'm on, I wish there was a way that I could like impose the, the emotion, the pressure 
of being the guy that has to teach when Pastor Jeff is gone? Like, if you've been around Pastor Jeff at all, he is a phenomenal leader. That man loves Jesus. He teaches and leads well. I have, what? I have to be the person to stand up here and share with you what God's doing in my life? I have to follow that act? Are you kidding me? It's not an act. Jesus chose me despite what I thought about myself, despite the paper I wrote in college. Jesus shows me more and more day by day, moment by moment, what it means to be dependent on him, leaning into him. And he is faithful and he continues to grow me. I don't know what tomorrow will look like. I don't, I don't know any of that. But what I do know is he is the head of the body. And I will willingly offer myself as a sacrifice to step behind him, follow him, and discover what he has for us together. Now some of us, we're still feeling like, I don't have an opportunity in front of me. I don't know where to find a burden. I don't know where to work together. I have no idea how to point people to Jesus. What do I do? <laughs> so I want to make this really, really easy for you. I want you to get a cup of coffee with one of us. I want you to get connected to one of us in leadership here at Grace, and I want you just to begin exploring something maybe at the beginning of the assembly line that says, let's be a part of building this picture that God is doing. And so you can uh, text the number that's in the weekly. If you're online, you can text the number on the screen. Um, you, you can do it, it's right here. If you're in the room, like text that number and we will get back to you and we will set up a time just to chat. We're like, I don't know what to do. That's fine. This isn't about force feeding everything. We want to discover with you, how God has chosen you, how God is showing you, and how God is growing you to be a part of his ministry. Let's chat. Let's do that together. Let's walk this journey with Jesus together. Jesus says this. He says, this is, this is my commandment. Love each other. In the same way I have loved you, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus died for us. He gave himself completely for us. And he rose again, showing that he has the power over life, that of course he's the head of all of this, and that he is still currently building his church and engaging you and nudging you to take your next step on your journey of becoming the person you were always created to be. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. You. You. You are being beckoned to be a part of what Jesus is doing. He's chosen you, and I cannot wait to see what God is going to do in and through you. My question is, are we open to being a part of that? Are we open to saying yes to what Jesus has for us? 
the band is going to come out and lead us through some time. And, and I hope that we'll just take advantage of it and that we'll spend some time praying. All right, Lord, am, am I willing to take a step? Am I willing to get on that assembly line? Am I willing to discover where I fit in your puzzle? Because that's how I'm a part of his mission. That's how I'm in lockstep with him. And wherever it is, I don't care if I get to put the finished coat on or I don't care if I just have to put bolts in the steel, I want to be a part of it. And you know the crazy thing is, wherever you fit, wherever you're at, if that's what God has gifted you to do, you're going to love it. You're going to love being a part of that process. You're going to love landing where you land because God is doing something in you. You'll learn. It's wonderful. Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much for um, being so faithful to love us, to choose us. Lord, help us never to skip past that. Help us to realize that this isn't about proving ourselves. This isn't about being the best version of ourselves. This is all about realizing that the creator of everything looks at us and says, you're worthy because I say you're worthy. And all of those things that are your imperfections and all the things that maybe need ironed out, he's like, I'm the one that does that. So walk with me, talk with me, be with me. Let me show you what a transformed life looks like. Father, I pray that we would heed your nudges, that we would take the step, and that we would offer ourselves as a sacrifice in you, to you, trusting, trusting that you know how it all fits together, trusting that you know how we work, trusting that you have gifted us to do what you have called us to do. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.